Chapter Ten of the Moving Picture Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Corey Samuel. The Moving Picture Girls by Laura Lee Hope. Chapter Ten: The Man in the Kitchen. Let it be said of Alice that even in this moment of triumph, she did not gloat over her victory. For victory it was. Had she planned it, events could not have transpired to better purpose. The combination of circumstances had forced her father along the line of least resistance into the very path she would have chosen for him, and she felt in her soul that it was best. But she did not say, "There, I knew you'd come to it, Daddy." Many a girl would, and so have spoiled matters. Alice merely looked demurely at her father. And gave him the address. The girl was perhaps wiser than her years would indicate, and certainly in this matter she was more resourceful than was Ruth. But then chance had played into her hands. That meeting with Russ had done much. Yes, I think I must come to it," sighed Mr. Devere. "It is being forced on me. The movies. I never thought I would descend to them." It isn't a fall at all, Daddy," declared Alice stoutly. I'm glad you're going into them. You'll like them, I'm sure. The actors and actresses, if one can call them such, who take parts in moving picture plays, must be very, very crude sort of persons," he said. "Not at all," cried Alice. "I was there and saw them, and there were some as nice as you'd want to meet. They were real gentlemen and ladies, even if the men were in their shirt sleeves. But they can't act," asserted Mr. Devere. I have seen bills up advertising the moving pictures. All they seemed to be doing—the so-called actors, I mean—was falling off horses, roping steers. I believe roping is the proper term, or else jumping off bridges or standing in the way of railroad trains, and they call that acting. Oh, you wouldn't have to do that, Daddy," cried Alice with a laugh. "Mr. Patel is putting on some real dramas, just like society plays, you know." Of course, all the scenes won't take place in a parlor. I suppose you won't have to do outdoor work, though, and I'm sure you won't have to catch a wild steer or stop a runaway locomotive. I should hope not," he replied with a tragic gesture. But that is real acting all the same," went on Alice. In that little while, she had come to have a great liking and interest in the moving picture side of acting. You should see some of the scenes I saw. Why, Daddy, some of the men and women were just as good as some of the actors with whom you have been on the road. Oh yes, if you include the road companies of the barnstorming days, perhaps," admitted Mr. Devere. "But I refer to the real art of the drama, Alice. However, let us not discuss it. The subject is too painful. I have decided to take up the work, since I can do nothing else on account of my unfortunate voice, and I will do my best in the movies. It is due to myself that I should, and it is due to you girls that I provide for you in any way that I can. Oh, Dad! Exclaimed Ruth, "It is too bad if you have to sacrifice your art to mere bread and butter." Tut tut! He exclaimed, smiling and holding up a chiding hand. I don't look at it that way at all. I am not so foolish. Art may be a very nice thing, but bread and butter is better. We have to live, my dear. And after all, my art is not so wonderful. I hope I have not exaggerated my worth to myself. 
I am very willing to try this new line, and I am very glad that Alice suggested it. Only it's—it was rather a shock at, at first. Now let us consider. They talked it all over, and Alice went into more detail as to what she had seen at the moving picture theatre. Mister Devere grew more and more interested. It is very kind of Russ and Mister Pertell to think of me," he said. "I will go and see this manager tomorrow." The interview must have been a very satisfactory one, for Mister Devere returned from it with a smiling face, something he had not worn often since the failure of his voice. "Well, Daddy," queried Alice as she entered the dining room, where she and Ruth were trying to make the most of a scanty supply of food. "How was it?" For answer, he pulled out a roll of bills. Not a large one, but of a size to which the girls had not been accustomed of late. See, it is real money," he cried, and he struck an attitude of one of the characters in which he had successfully starred. He was the old Hosmer Devere once more. Where did you get it? asked Ruth with a little laugh. She foresaw that some of her housekeeping problems bade fair to be solved. It is an advance on my salary as a moving picture actor. He replied hoarsely, but still with that same gay air. See, I have put my other life behind me, henceforth, or at least until my voice promises to behave. He went on, I shall live, move, and have my being on the screen. I have signed a contract with Mister Pertell, a very fair contract too, much more so than some I have signed with managers of legitimate theatres. This is part of my first week's salary. I have taken his money. There is no going back now. I have burned my bridges. And, are you sorry? Asked Alice softly. No, little girl. No, I'm glad. And truly, he seemed so. Tell us about it, suggested Ruth, and he did in detail. Then it wasn't so bad as you expected, was it, Daddy? Asked Alice. No, I found many of the company to be very fine characters. And some with exceptional ability, Mr. Wellington Bunn, by the way, is a man after my own heart. Oh yes, he seemed very anxious to play Shakespeare," remarked Alice with a smile. "I heard Mr. Pertell caution him about not letting Hamlet get into the parlour scene they were presenting," and she laughed at the recollection. "Of course, it was rather new and strange to me," went on Mr. Devere, "but I dare say I shall get accustomed to it." There were some of the young ladies, though, for whom I felt no liking, Miss Pearl Pennington, who plays light leads, and her friend Miss Laura Dixon, the ingenue. They were in vaudeville until recently, remarked Alice. So Russ told me, Miss Pennington seemed very pretty. Possibly so, agreed Mr. Devere. Well, our living problem is solved for us anyway. Now I must study my new part. It is to be a sort of society drama, and will be put on in a few days. Mr. Pertell gave me some instructions. I shall have to unlearn many things that are traditional with those who have played all their parts in a real theatre. It is like teaching an old dog new tricks, but I dare say I shall master them. You're not really old, Daddy," said Alice, slipping her arms about him and nestling her cheek against his. "There, there," he returned indulgently. "Don't try to flatter your old father. You are just like your dear mother." Run along now. I must take up this new work. What a relief not to have to declaim my lines! I shall only move my lips, and who knows but in time my voice may come back. I hope it will," 
answered Ruth, with a sigh. Somehow she could not quite bring herself to like her father in moving picture roles. Alice was entirely different. But even if it does come back, said the younger girl, you may like this new work so well, Dad, that you'll keep at it. Perhaps, he assented. Here, Ruth, take care of this money, my first moving picture salary. And he handed her the bills. As he went to his room with the typewritten sheets of his new part, Alice whispered to her sister, Hooray! Now we can have a real dinner. I'll go out and buy a delicatessen store. The meal was a great success, not only from a gastronomic standpoint, but because of the jollity, real or assumed, of Mr. Devere. He went over the lines of his new part, telling the girls how at certain places he was to register or denote different emotions. Register is the word used in moving picture scenarios to indicate the showing of fear, hate, revenge, or other emotion. All this must be done by facial expression or gestures, for of course no talking comes from the moving pictures, except in the latest kind, with a phonographic attachment, and with that sort we are not dealing. Oh, I'm sure it will be fine, cried Alice. Can we go and see you act for the camera, Daddy? Yes, I guess so, he replied. Would you like it, Ruth? I believe I should, she exclaimed, with more interest than she had before shown. It sounds interesting. Maybe we'll act ourselves some day, added Alice. Oh, no, protested her sister. But let's sit down. The meal is spoiling. Oh, she cried, with a hasty glance at the table. Not a bit of salt. I forgot it. Alice, dear, just slip across the hall and borrow some from Miss Stalwood. Humming in the lightness of her heart a little tune, Alice crossed to the apartment of their neighbour, not pausing after her first knock at the rear kitchen door. She heard a rattling among the pots and pans, and naturally supposed Mrs. Dalwood was there. "'May we have some salt?' Alice called as she entered the kitchen, but the next moment she drew back in surprise and fear, for a strange man, rising suddenly from under the sink, confronted her. He too seemed startled. "'Oh! Oh!' gasped Alice. "'Isn't Mrs. Dalwood here?' "'I—I I believe not,' stammered the man. "'I—I'm the plumber. There's a leak.' "'Oh, excuse me,' murmured Alice. But even in her embarrassment she could not help thinking that the man looked like anything but a plumber. She backed out of the kitchen, after picking up a salt cellar, and was more startled as she observed the man following her. End of chapter 10